0: Welcome back, pop culture theologians. It's been a while. We apologize for that one. Life happens. But you know what? We're here because we wanted to and we need to finish this season of The Crown. And there's no better way to do that than obviously coming back with two of the most salacious episodes. But especially speaking of salaciousness themselves and Jeanette, welcome back to the pod.
1: Hello. <laughs> our that's
0: salacious... A great, that's,
1: a, that's a great introduction.
0: <laughs> our, our salacious Anjanette is back to talk about the titillating moments of Camilla Gate, plus the destruction of the Romanov family. And there's no other person that I would rather do that with than you.
1: Fantastic. You know, I always want people to be like, oh, here comes trouble. Um, yes. And here comes sassy trouble, because I live in, in the moniker of John, the late, great John Lewis of To Make Good Trouble. So... Salacious, sassy, good trouble is here to um, help you dissect episode five and six.
0: Episodes five and six. Well, you know, Anjanette, we saw each other this last weekend after much, much pandemic travel restrictions, can't see each other, only talking via Zoom. And it was lovely to see you.
1: Oh my gosh, three years apart and it was like nothing.
0: It was like nothing. We picked up talking about the same stuff and being as shady as ever. 100%
1: and causing havoc and good things all over the time all over the place
0: that's right and we met each other and talked to each other at our um, academic life or academic lives
1: that's right at the uh, best coast west coast American Academy of Religion Western Region
0: because nothing says reunion like an all-day conference about
1: religion religion for three days days.
0: (laughs) but we may do
1: I mean, that's why we're called pop culture theologians.
0: That's right. That's right. And I just want to give a shout out to you and your disability studies unit and talking about Crip Camp and everything that you did. It was quite incredible.
1: Oh, my gosh. Thank you. And if any all of our listeners want to watch this amazing documentary, it is on Netflix, if you still have it, um, over the fiasco of Netflix trying to change their membership. But if you still have it, you can still watch Crip Camp, Crip Camp about a documentary about a phenomenal Camp in the seventies called Camp Jeanette, which helps to foster the disability um, uh, rights in our nation and the American with Disabilities Act that comes out of that. Um, because of the amazing people um, that suffered yeah. through ho- horrendous things, and still we still have a lot way a lot of ways to go um, to get ac- accommodations and accessibility, and just everyone to have the right dignity and um, space to live
0: that's right we got a long way to go speaking of a long way to go um before we start because i know fans of the pod and people that listen to us know that we love a little bit of moment in the news a little brevity Mm. but happy indictment week Anjanette.
1: oh my god we are indictment day plus two and it's just been
0: glorious to wake up Um, every morning the internet wins again
1: you know um the long sweeping arc of justice. Um, I feel like this is a a moment of when we talk about, um, or when, in my classes, when I talk about what really karma is, and it's some, sometimes it takes a long time for us to see the acclamations and the accumulations of people's deeds, um, and and a reckoning. And I feel like this is, we're on a, a, a precipice of, of that, um, because it's glorious. We are we are basking in the light that for the first time in history a, a former president is being um criminally charged. Oh yeah. And in potentially multiple states, not just yeah. one.
0: I was telling that to my trainer the other day. And I was like, he's like, Well, this is this is it, right? I was like, No, there's like three other indictments that might come in coming down, sir. Yeah. And he was like, Jesus. I said, Yeah, but you know, God is good god is good
1: it it also reminds us that um who we elect in um on all forms matter um it also is a reminder that we still have to keep fighting because there are multiple states in this nation that have horrendous anti-trans anti-queer legislation um if not being discussed in houses but being implemented as we speak um Women's bodies across the world are, are in this nation are being decimated. So there's a lot of things that we can celebrate this win of being in an indictment day, but we still got to put up, buckle up our, our jeans and our combat boots and get, get working.
0: And we wouldn't be the allies that hopefully we always try to be if we didn't mention yesterday when we were recording this on a Saturday was Transgender Visibility Day. And that this podcast, these hosts, um, including Marcy, who will be back for future episodes, wouldn't and will never not stand with our trans and gender non-binary communities. And that when we think about Happy Indictment Week, that this man... Um, being put behind bars is helpful because of all the laws that he will try to enact and has already tried to enact amongst our communities.
1: We will 100% stand and not just for the queer communities, but for uh, minority communities, for non-Christian communities. Um, the rise in anti-Semitism is very concerning. In legislation out there um, still targeting of our African-American brothers and sisters um the mass incarceration i mean there's so much that um we have to continuously fight for and stand up for and um the necessity of evil to continue is for good men and women to do nothing and so we can't not do something
0: well speaking of good men and women
1: (laughs) or the way ahead how about that's a better segue
0: or speaking of the way ahead we've got a lot to break down in these next two episodes um Charles tells us how we might like to identify We're going to we talk about yep. that
1: They have. We have the official separation of the Prince and Princess of Wales
0: We've got the revenge dress
1: Oh, blessed be
0: Blessed be Let's get into it, AJ Let's Let's break down episodes 5 and 6 of The Crown Season 5 Here we go Okay, so I love that every recap, in many ways, they call Charles in this version, and we've talked about this, the hot Charles.
1: The glow-up. It's the glow-up Charles.
0: And it's totally because the queen was, is actually dead in real life at this time. Right, right. And they're like, oh, we have to make the king actually look good. Do you think they knew that she was going to die and they had to get someone relatively charming to like take on the horrificness that is actually you know King Charles?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, she she was declining um, visitations and she was canceling things and 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 very sparingly. And um, you could just see that she was she was slowing down in ways. Maybe it, it might not have been health wise, but she was just, you know, she was an elderly lady that has held the crown for so long that she just might have needed a break. And so I think the writing was on the wall that it was coming. And so but I also think the first couple of seasons and the reaction, especially um, last season with how the amount of people became so anti-Charles, anti-Camilla with the, the screening of that season of The Crown yeah. that I feel like there was a huge pressure put on um, the producers, the casting directors, the creators, the directors, all of them to switch the script and to cast Charles in a better light because he was going to be the next reigning monarch
0: yeah you know so we are opening up this episode in 1989 I was four I think you were four too at this time right AJ um
1: yes if it was before September we were both four
0: yes we were both four um and like usual like all that we've always seen in the show it's poor 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 charles you know the prince of wales he still hasn't taken power he's at a dinner party and he's just really you know a buzzkill at this point point. and i mean
1: yeah he's talking about how he's uh, a useless ornament and he's in a waiting room collecting dust which newsflash for him he's gonna have to wait another
0: long a 30 long
1: years time. before he gets out of that waiting room
0: And she did it purposefully. I've been, and just for a hundred percent, that woman hung on to be like, I'm going to hang on until this man either gets COVID, which she didn't even predict or something else.
1: I mean, she hang on. it, It was, I think it was a twofold. It was Queen Elizabeth, just not wanting to give her, um, her power and her crown up um, to spite charles um but i think it was also the universe saying like how dare you do what you did to princess diana um and we're gonna make you agonizingly wait for what you think you want and what you think you deserve and now what he has is a crumbling massage of a monarchy yeah yeah i said it because hashtag not my king
0: When I travel, all I do is watch The Crown. I don't know why. I should watch other things. And that's how Anjana and I started talking about finishing this season because we needed to. And and ultimately, that's why you're here today listening to this. But, you know, there's something about this show that just brings me great comfort, but then great humor at the same time.
1: That's good. That's good.
0: I don't know. But so... Charles goes up to the bedroom because he's having a rough night and he needs to talk to the one and only Camilla, who's having a wonderful dinner party with her family because she's a married woman. And and it's during Christmas. And it's it's during Christmas. Christmas.
1: So we would have been five. If it was Christmas, we would have both been five.
0: Okay. So she (sighs) is having a Christmas party with her family and you can see how she just lives her life normally and then she's at the beck and call of this man and when charles calls her husband picks up the phone and he's i'm guessing agreed to or is part of this little cabal um but he leaves she picks up goes upstairs and the late night phone calls begin now aj Mm. you're a you're a an english scholar and i say english scholar i'm just going to say how about we say a crown scholar yes yeah
1: i'm a monarchy a royal family um
0: so tell me more so they really make this um they talk about the biggest piece which we're going to get out of here being obviously camilla gate but essentially what we need to know is that charles and camilla for many years would have very Provocative phone calls. That's fine. We love phone sex. All good. It's good. Um, However, when you're the prince and future king of England, people might want to monitor it. And one thing I think this show does do really well is the uh, evolution of the press and how intrusive they become. And it's mm-hmm. next season and when we see the cameras in a different way here but now we see technology and of course someone that's just living in a van listening to the airwaves and he comes upon it. And so walk mm-hmm. us through what really happens versus what the show kind of talks about.
1: So this the instance that becomes Camilla Gate happens in 89 and it gets recorded by an amateur radio enthusiast that's just kind of scanning the radio waves and comes upon this conversation. Upon. And this is before, um, for all you youngsters listening, this is before secure telephones. This was before we had this understanding of, um, you know, tapping and does everyone have a right to privacy on if they're talking, you know, on the phone or not. Um, this is one of the instances of why we start having these security and legal aspects of privacy. Um, because he records this conversation between Charles and Camilla, and it's salacious, and it is filthy, and it is dirty. How, f- how filthy? Um, they they smut talk each other in that realm, but also um, Charles wants to become Camilla's tampons.
0: He just can't be. Not can't be without
1: her, and he needs to be in her. Um, and the transcripts are out there on the internet so that you can read.
0: And we're not Um, making this up. Because we're not making it
1: up. And it became this huge. Well, so what happens is it gets recorded. He sends it to the Daily Mail. He takes it to the newspapers. But this is 1989. The Prince and Princess of Wales are still apparently in the public, happily married. And the Daily Mail knows we can't do this because this could break up. Like the marriage of the country. So they hold on to it. But what happens is from that instance photographers realize what they can do and they start attaching microphones to tele lenses and they start being able to tap multiple lines um, of the royal family and so diana's lines get tapped they tap more of camilla and charles's conversations um all this things. and the paparazzi are just hounding you know uh, the rise of the paparazzi is just really coming to um, a frenzy and british press and british paparazzi we don't have a concept of that in the united states the way that it is such a, a dog dog eat dog almost um horrendous and hound. this
0: is at a time when people got away with literal murder as paparazzi yeah yeah, yeah. It, you know in
1: 1997 um but like the paparazzi are what ring about the downfall of fergie and you know andrew not because they were perfectly fine with their arrangement of having affairs inside and outside their marriage um but what is the crux of it is that the paparazzi gained pictures of fergie in her illicit affairs and you know andrew being a pride proud man um hence i say proud boy yes Um,
0: jesus she went there
1: i did um because hashtag put him in jail um you know, that's what broke. So the paparazzi are really vicious and will continue to be vicious. I mean, we're still living the aftermath of, of how vicious the British media are in the wake of what they did to um, the Duchess of Sussex, um, Meghan and Harry.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's but all coming up.
1: What I, my critique of the, a little bit of this episode is they really do, I mean, they show, they don't um, shy away from actually using word for word the transcripts of the phone call between charles and camilla but i think what they did is they spun it they spun it in a way to make it seem like um it wasn't as bad the people weren't as um disgusted or rioted or um that it wasn't this i mean it was fodder for the for the press for months if not an entire year um when this breaks in 93
0: yeah and then so ultimately we go four years ahead in the episode and then we arrive to the moment where Charles and Diana are sitting with the queen and she finally lets them separate. And so ultimately the crown finds itself burdened with another scandal and yet another mm-hmm. scandal.
1: Right. But remember this um, and they do a good job of, of kind of parsing out what the separation was, because you see the prime minister telling parliament, you see the, um the bishop of the church of england doing a press release that this was a separation that they were going to have separate houses that they were still going to be considered hrh prince and princess of wales that they were each going to have separate royal duties that it was not a divorce
0: yeah
1: that they were were still separating that the roles of them being the heirs to the monarchy were intact, and that they were going to move forward. And this is a really important thing because it was not. Um, and I, I, I honestly do think that the queen never fully believed that it would end in divorce. Nor would I think she would have her and Prince Philip. I think were ultimately hoping that the separation would would remind them of their duties and find a compromise just like they have done in their marriage and in their duties. Um, but ultimately, because of the separation, it gives the news the ability to release the Camilla Gate, the, the transcripts and the audio. And thus, we're on the path of capital D. double
0: D. But, but well, speaking probably, of capital Ds, <laughs> we... The royal, we have this whole segue into a whole episode so that's just trying to set up Charles to look better than he actually is.
1: Yeah,
0: and it's the royal family meeting with their team to discuss a path forward, and it's ultimately called the Way Ahead Group, and they're essentially telling the crown that they are, are awful, and the monarchy's on a knife's edge, and no one's listening to the, you know, to anyone, and Charles is the one that's here going to save it
1: right and and this is it's spearheaded by prince philip that he's he's wanting to do his duty and 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 understand his role of being you know the monarchy is a stability and the foundation to the british people um and there's ultimately a you know a a, a crisis between him and charles like philip has a very clear way ahead and charles has a very clear way ahead of what no. it means for them to be a monarchy and um you know charles goes on the spiel of that the monarchy needs to be self-sufficient the monarchy needs to be um vibrant and relevant to the people that it's in charge of that it needs to be and his whole crux is that he needs to be a defender of all faiths all peoples because that are that is who is in the british um kingdom empire commonwealth however you want to put it and um with the scandal ooh philip um i think that was one of the only times in that episode where i just lived for the moment where philip just rakes charles over the coals over the scandal of yeah. camilla and his attempt to try and get back into the good graces by filming a documentary interview with um an interview uh, with a journalist and what happens in that interview is that the journalist keeps asking him questions of, Hey, this audio was in 89. You were still married. You were not separated by Diana. So did you cheat in your marriage? Were you, you know, unfaithful? And at first Charles was like, no, 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 no. I stayed faithful. Um, but then ultimately, you know, his pride gets the best of him. His love for Camilla, his adoringness of Camilla ugh, make me gag. It's gross. Um, but he ultimately does state in a roundabout way that yes, he he wasn't um, unfa- unfaithful to Camilla or to Diana. And this, in a 2023 standpoint, for some that are very anti-Charles and him before he gets coronated, um, are saying that this is what are grounds for him becoming uneligible for being the reigning king of England, is because he broke his vows as the heir of the throne and as the heir of the Church of England. Yeah. It, it doesn't really have water because the Church of England was created because the king wanted to have a divorce. So all those that think that that's the argument that's going to get him off the crown or off the throne.
0: Sorry, I mean, that's Camilla's just there yeah. lit, now still being haunted by Diana. <laughs>
1: I mean, there's just so much, like, our memory is long. And, um,
0: you know, I'm and a. We Virgo. don't forget what you did.
1: That's right. Like, I hold receipts um, and I will carry that to my grave and I will let everyone else know. Um, not my king, not, you know, not my queen consort, because if we could have had king and queen, King Charles and Queen Diana. And so. Sort because she was of you know, Diana was of the peerage. Yeah. Um,
0: but what we have but- here then is Charles trying to find a way to come back, and of course he schedules an interview to do something in the prime time to lay out his vision for the monarchy and to not really address what he did. And yet again, what we see is the crown trying to cover this up. Not really the crown, but they are, you know, I guess, subservient to it when we think about it, because they allow it to happen. And this interview, you know, for a first time amidst many things that happened, but ultimately what we see here again is the show trying to paint Charles's sins in a different way.
1: Right. And, and that he at the crux of it is um, an un, an unknown or an, uh, you know just untapped resource that he sees the need of the people and he's answering it in all ways that he can in the stifling role that he's been given of being you know the heir um, and he introduces this this entity called the prince's trust and this was something that he creates in the in 70s in the 1970s i think in 1978 um to help unrepresentative um people in in the british empire specifically in britain and i will say that this organization has it has been phenomenal in the creation of it um and who has been helped and um at the end of the episode, it does tell you the what has happened with the Prince, the Prince's Trust. Um, but in it, there's just this, they're just really trying to feed you with look, Charles is for the people. He is hip, he's with it, he, he recognizes that um everyone has the right to a different faith. It doesn't have to be the Church of England, that um people need to have jobs and education and break through their traditional English lives almost. And for me, because I'm 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 a Princess Diana um fan and lover and supporter, it it just doesn't work for me just because I know all the other things. But I I can see where for some it it does it is a good rehab. It is a good rehab of his image of what he potentially does. But I just with princess diana and with what he's done with charles and with harry and megan it, it doesn't work for me it falls flat what about you
0: you know all of it falls flat with charles like he's just a spoiled child and i keep re-watching that scene with olivia coleman and then younger hot charles where she's like you better start acting like one and she he didn't heed her advice
1: One hundred percent. And and he doesn't heed his father's advice when his father tells him, like, you have this beautiful, wonderful gem of a wife and resource and use her and and you can build something and she can do wonders for you. And instead he becomes this petulant, angry self. I actually think
0: Diana could have saved the monarchy if they both would have just, I think, come to different blows.
1: We wouldn't even had a question of having to save the monarchy. It would have already been stable under the protection of of diana and also how she would have helped her two children william and harry but there would not have been a question of stability or are they relevant still or um do we need to abolish the monarchy like it just it wouldn't have even been a question because she was the people's princess
0: she was and she would have been the queen's
1: and she would have been the queen's you know the people's queen yeah um but what we see in in segue to diana is with the releasing of um Gate, but also with the releasing of this television interview where he admits that he was unfaithful to the entire british kingdom um, diana had declined to do go to this event and to end decided to show up and there was a different dress that she was supposed to wear
0: a different dress
1: but she decides to go to this event and she's fueled by the humiliation, by the belittling, the all the things that she's had to endure in this marriage from this family. And she dons what will be labeled the revenge dress.
0: And the best and- part about this is ultimately, if you go back to that scene in the last in, in season four at the end where he says every time you hurt Camilla you hurt me she knows what she's doing because mm-hmm. she knows and Camilla knows that in any comparison between her and Camilla she will always win body spirit soul you name it right and yep. that she shows up in this dress and is this beautiful angelic creature and everyone's like how could you do? and a, how could and you?
1: sexy a yeah. f Yeah. Um, and and to note, she's had this dress for three years, but she never wore it because she felt and she knew that it was a knockout of a dress. And it goes against the real um stiff upper lip British monarchy supporters would say that there's a protocol of dress, and it goes against all protocol because it's above the knee, it's tight, it's off the shoulder, it shows cleavage. It's a knockout of a dress. And she wears it and it takes over the entire press and so instead of them talking about um charles's good deeds in the prince trust instead of talking about charles going to an event where he was warmly welcomed every newspaper every tabloid every talk show was talking about diana and the dress Um, And it's to the point to where in our lexicon, we tell women, we tell everyone in fashion, get yourself a little black dress. And that is rooted with Diana. Um, If anything happens in your life and you need to show someone that you're still standing, that they haven't broken you, you you don a revenge dress. And it is that legacy of Diana um, zipping up and going to war. I mean, she does.
0: Diana taught us all.
1: And also to note that this dress gets sold at auction. People want this dress so much that it gets sold in 97 for $65,000 and all of the proceeds go to cancer and AIDS research. Um, And it is still, um, you can still go see it in museums. It is a phenomenal dress. And and that moment um, shows and highlights what will come to be of ultimately why does charles just cannot even handle the separation like it's not even enough that they're in separate household because she's still pulling the attention she's still pulling the power and the strings in ways that he just ultimately keeps failing at so the rest but what else happens in this episode
0: so that's what i really want to talk about i think the relationship between this Anne and Charles, they're trying mm. to make work, doesn't work for me, personally. Mm. And Anne is really seeing her brother fall down like a cliff, and she's kind of like, well, you know, because Anne plays the role. and plays it very well, right? And you can tell, and you know, the queen actually likes her daughter. <laughs> right. In many ways. But... I think the ending of this episode is something of n- narrative fiction that we needed to talk about in a way because the end episode looks with how Charles is like kind of like down and hip and cool with kids, and I,
1: but have, also with the, how the family is agreeing with Anne's assessment that he's yeah. he's strong, he's stable, he's he's mature, he's an adult,
0: yeah, and they know that he they have to compete against him too right and so ultimately it all comes down like from tampon gate to everything else but to make a flattering prince of wales with him like break dancing i just i couldn't my eyes rolled so far in the back of my
1: head yeah um and that's when it, it shows that it, this is where at the end of the, the episode they talk about how the prince's trust has been this phenomenal thing that since its establishment in 1976 um to help disadvantaged young people. Over 1 million young people have benefited and over $1.4 billion in, or pounds in revenue has been given back to the society. And so it's it's hearkening to like Charles's idea of making the monarchy self-sufficient, but also giving back to the people that look, he's, he's followed through with that because he's made this prince's trust and look at all that, the things that he's done and look, all the young people really want to invite him to his party and have him break dance with them. And ultimately I mean, you don't like He that. just
0: wanted <laughs> to break he just wanted to dance. He
1: just Sorry. wanted to dance. He just um, wants to dance. Well then go dance in your room.
0: <laughs> go dance in your room like most of us. Okay. You know?
1: And that's how an episode. And so for me, this episode, I don't think it succeeds in what it does. Um, you obviously didn't feel like you, um, Charles has been rehabbed, and it it also downplayed the what was really happening in the press and and the almost the war of the Waleses between the Prince and Princess of Wales and sides are being drawn in the family and this is ultimately like what what's happening. Um, and then we have a complete roundabout move for the next coming episode and i mean nothing it does has to do right nothing has to do with charles nothing has to happen. is is dealing with diana we're not talking about how at this time now um edward has met his um who will become his wife sophie reese jones the continuous scandals of andrew and fergie um there's just so much that's happening in 94 and 95. Um, that they just instead of that, we turn to Russia.
0: The, to well, what is our favorite animated movie?
1: It is Anastasia.
0: So, so AJ, let's let we're gonna move on from Tampon Gate. Although, have we ever? Never we're move into episode six. What's it called?
1: Um, party House.
0: Okay, so we start episode six with a flashback to a time in London, in World War One, where there's lots going on, but inside the palace, King George V is a world away, and a letter from the prime minister arrives, urging George to consider offering asylum to his first cousin, Nikolai Romanov. Who was this man?
1: This is the Czar of Russia, um, and this is where... When we say that the British family has intermarried and they're all related to each other, they're all related to each other. So George and Nikolai, or Nikki, as they they used to call each other, are first cousins.
0: And they look identical. And
1: they look identical.
0: And that's a real life thing.
1: Yeah. And Nikolai marries Alexandria of Hesse, or Germany, uh, a region of Germany, and her sister... Is Prince Philip's grandmother. Yes. So the grandfather of um or the great uncle of Elizabeth was married to the great aunt of Philip. Yes. And they were all descendants of Queen Victoria. All and descendants Albert. of Queen Victoria. And this is where um why Nikolai and Alexandria's their children. They had a lot of health problems, and their young son um, had hemophilia. Yeah, and uh, that's what happens, when you, what happens, that's
0: what when, happens when you poorly. That's what happens when you when cousins kiss cousins, yeah. if you know what I mean, <laughs> for multiple
1: although, generations.
0: Although, yeah, for multiple generations, purposefully. So the and well, one that's thing how that, they're all
1: related, and so that's how like they're they're tying this all in. Is that it's it's this history, it's the family honor, the dignity, the, the li- lineage of monarchy and how it interacts with Queen Elizabeth's life.
0: And ultimately, before World War, during World War I and during World War II, you know, the British monarchy had a, had a very different last name that was very German focused. And to offset that, they changed their name. And so bringing in the Czar of Russia, regardless if it meant saving them from uncertain death, was something they just was weren't going to do. And who would have known? Um, they knew, clearly. Um, right. But essentially, the Queen looks at this undeterred. There's no action. And what we see is a more um, vivid retelling than what the, the greatest musical and animated movie of all time, Anastasia, shows us. But essentially, the royal family kills another royal family by inaction. Would you agree? By
1: yeah, by inaction, by not doing something, Um, and that's largely because Alexandria was a a pro-German supporter. She was still she had heavily ties to Germany still, even though they were in Russia. And so, for Queen Mary, she understands that if they bring the Tsar and Tsarina and the family, the Romanov family, to England, the public would not stand for a pro-German family and this will this will bite them in multiple ways because the British family continuously has these problems so the Romanovs they, refi- they they decide not to send a boat to save them to get them out and then you know 30 40 years later the abdication um happens and you know the the now Prince marries Wallace Simpson and they become Nazi um, sympathizers during World War II, which causes a lot of concern for Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip. And um, so there's a lot of things that they like, it just keeps kind of coming up on who your family is and um, can you kick them out or can you refuse help and aid? And um, but ultimately, what we do see, we don't realize that they hadn't They decided not to send. Um, aid we do they do show a very brutal um death scene of the Romanov family being executed by the bolsheviks and um it's juxtaposed with king george going out and shooting birds and yeah. painting, so weird. which which also felt like very much like a, a colonial anti-colonial like i was like oh man there's there's so many rich things that we can talk about colonialization and imperialism and um just the the power of not doing something when you know you could do something to save someone um and what then we we, we move from that scene to the modern times of with queen elizabeth and hearing about russia's attempt into democracy and the voting in of boris yeltsin
0: yes and russia's back in drama russia's always in drama by the I mean,
1: way right it's, this is this is such a relevant scene i feel there's so much in this season that we're still dealing with the aftermath and the and or things that have popped up that we didn't deal with in the 90s and now we're having to deal with again and um the prime minister comes to talk to liz as i like to call her queen liz and um talks to her about his experience of meeting with yeltsin and how um The prime minister was like, well, I I don't know if he's ever he was ever sober when I was there. And also, I don't know if I was sober. Which I found that hilarious that he told the queen. I was also intoxicated. I was also
0: drunk.
1: On a state mission. Don't worry about it. Um, But he tells the queen that Yeltsin is an Anglophile, that he really wants to be invited to the palace and he wants to meet with her. And um. The queen is um, really excited about that, that someone, you know, wants to meet her. And then what happens is, as she's telling the Duke of Edinburgh, which becomes this secondary storyline of this episode. Is well, it's
0: the secondary storyline of the season with him fucking with his stupid carriages.
1: Right. And and the Duke of Edinburgh just kind of, yes, he he gets called for duty, but also trying to find where his own life lives.
0: Yes. Basically. And And he's up up for, he's got his new girlfriend.
1: Right. But what happens is that, you know, um, the queen asks him, I love this interaction. She goes, don't you get tired? Because he has like five different events that he's going to. He's going to um, Brazil and he's going to Germany and he's going to Alaska and Canada. And he's, he's doing events for the the crown and he's, but he's also doing carriage um, races and driving and, He's having a lot of people and the queen asks him, don't you get, don't you get tired? And he says, only when stopping and standing still, we're different in that way. And then the queen responds, "Um, yes. And more different every day. And so there's cracks really starting to happen between the the queen and.
0: It's like my favorite line from when Olivia Coleman, and when they're talking about Billy Joel and she's like, I think you had your own ballerinas for that.
1: Yes, yes, yes. That's the best. Um yeah. Yeah, and um or the scene it reminds me of the scene in Downton Abbey when um they ask um the you know Lady Grantham and she goes what is a weekend? Yes, yes. What is a weekend? Um what's, but what's we get reintroduced to Penny um who we got introduced in a previous episode of she was um a, a friend and family member or her husband is the godson of prince philip they lose a child and she and prince philip take on a friendship it is to note that they are 30 years um, of age difference between them but she comes with a a a pedigree Um, her father is the founder of angus steakhouses she marries norton natchbull who is the Earl Mountbatten of Burma. So she is actually Countess Mountbatten of Burma. So she is of peerage. She has a lot of weight. Um, Norton is the second cousin of Charles, the godson of um Philip. And Penny becomes one of Prince Philip's lasting friends. There's speculation that they were much more than that, but the crown maintain this dialogue that they were just extremely extremely close companions it is also important to note that um, she was one of only she was one of 30 guests to be allowed um, during prince philip's funeral when prince philip um, died a couple years ago so she's heavily involved and included into the family and there are multiple pictures of her with Philip out and about, but also with her and Queen Elizabeth and Anne and the Queen ma- Mother yeah. before she passed.
0: It's it's just messed up.
1: But it's yeah, it's it's one of those that I it it harkens. This episode really shows that her and the Duke of Edinburgh match on intellect, match on the their curiosity, their um obviously they're carriage driving because he's the one that introduces her but that they laugh that they're they're just congenial that they're they're meshing in a way that him and elizabeth never have yeah
0: over Overcarriage, over carriages
1: over carriages and and other things and so what happens is that um the queen is told by her aide that yeltsin was in charge um of the region and the city to once where the impartive house lived and sets up that there's this potential question that the queen can ask yeltsin when he comes to the the palace which is in a hilarious interaction when it's, yeltsin comes
0: it's um, insane so she invites her <laughs> drunk friend to the palace He's, you know, trying to sweep away the execution and the sins of the Romanovs by destroying the house. She kind of talks to him about that and she keeps pressing and he concedes in exchange that by for her coming to Moscow, he'll try to find the bodies to honor their memory with a proper burial. And that said, Boris has, you know, later on shares Mm -hmm. his real feelings and she doesn't speak Russian and he says what she says Um, he he
1: he trashes the uh, buckingham palace he trashes queen elizabeth all while standing next to her and she asks the translator and the translator's all like oh he's just he's just glad to be here
0: (laughs) but you know he makes good on his promises and they find the mutilated bones and yet starts another case of russia dna english gate extravaganza and of course it all comes back to phillips being the great aunt married the cousin of elizabeth's great-grandfather so once again Philip doesn't really seem very interested until he makes a petty point that elizabeth didn't ask many questions about the dna authentication process but right. they need Philip's dna to start kind of realizing this and off he goes on another be- adventure
1: but like you have to talk about the fact that like she's so proud that she was told this new science and and that she's sharing this with with Philip and he already knows everything. Like he he corrects her of saying it's mitochondrial and she kept I kept laughing how she pronounces it. She's like DNA like it was very um bless Amelda Stanton for for doing that um, recitation. But why they need it is because the Bolsheviks um, poured acid on the bodies and so it corrupted a lot of the bones that they needed to go deeper in to get the identification and the direct descendancy from um, philip to alexandra is um, closer than li- elizabeth's with um Nicolai, um her which would be her great uncle and so they decide to go um they descend it all off and um needs a sample and he's having a party with his friends and he's talking to penny about it and and how he went to go doing it because at the time the only laboratory out there that did bone dna just so happened to be in england
0: of course
1: um and so he goes and they're having this engaging conversation and they both um, kind of jive on how they want to lurk, look into who the Romanovs are, which causes, as you said, him to go on his next adventure and journey. But it's more of a journey inside. It's yeah. him reconnecting with his family, with who he was, who. Um, and I think this is this episode. I feel like they, they do do something really compelling and interesting here of talking about all the things that Prince Philip did have to give a way to become the husband to the monarch um he was from a reigning family he was a, a, a prince of of Greece he was um a descendant of Queen Victoria like he there was so much and as we see across the the rest of the episode he realizes that he was born an Orthodox Christian that I'm he Orthodox wasn't even Christian. born he wasn't even born into the ch- Church of England and he's had to deny and rescind his his faith let alone his, Um, countries of origin and birth and um, even kind of change his own name to Mountbatten instead of um, what he was born with and it becomes this uh, a real big sticking point between him and Elizabeth of that now he is firmly even more believing that they are fundamentally different because they are of different faiths they are of different temperaments of different She likes silence, and he wants to be curious and ask questions and engage and be lively, and she's just okay with going with the flow.
0: Yep. And what what it is about, let's, let's really kind of maybe talk for just a second about Orthodox Christianity. So they are the head of the Church of England, an Anglican faith, but what is the faith that really Prince Philip? comes down to with orthodox christianity especially russian orthodox christianity or eastern european orthodox eastern yeah
1: it's, it's, it's probably most likely eastern orthodoxy that he's linking towards and that's hearkening um let's put on our religious scholars let's do uh, it. hat and that's hearkening back to the schism that happens um between the holy roman empire or the holy roman which will become the catholic church and the split of orthodoxy that will become the greek armenian russian coptic churches um, that have this more thing called orthodox it there's much more understandings of um, god nature and metaphysics and trinity and and other aspects of what the schism kind of imparts but what ultimately what it is is that there's they are inherently two different christianities nowadays yes. and they function very much so the church of england is an offshoot also of the catholic church because um henry the wanted to divorce um catherine of aragon if you've never seen six the musical i highly recommend you go out and watch it
0: it's i'm a great seeing musical. it i think later this year oh,
1: fantastic it's a it's a great ride. and that documents from the stories of all of um henry the wives but Ultimately, that's why the Church of England is created is so that Henry VIII can um, diver- divorce his fourth, first wife and then marry another one and then continue divorcing. But also it's a schism of ritual practices, understandings of God nature, just uh, a secondary schism also that we see in regards to Orthodoxy and uh, Christianity or Christendom as a, as a whole. And it, there's rituals and um, prayers and language that are maintained in Orthodoxy that is fundamentally different than the Church of England. And so Philip, I guess, finds a home in that. He finds a sheltering in that or reclaiming of his lineage, of, of who he was, his identity, um, that makes more sense to him, which could mean... I read it also as why he feels that like he is an outsider in the royal family, that he he isn't comfortable with the silences in many cases, or he's not comfortable with um fully towing the line of finding who he is and what he brings to it, which explains also why he was such a firebrand in the royal family and Seriously. why he also flocked to Diana and supported Diana um until the day you know that she passes. Yeah, and they, were,
0: they were oddly close
1: they you know and and we have the letters we have a lot of letters of him writing to diana and and you know bashing his own son and saying like you know you are this you know and, and he supported her in, in raising the kids a certain way and um you just see a lot of the videos of when they're out and about when they were still doing family um, functions that he was always close with diana yeah um,
0: so, but. ultimately, the queen goes to Russia. It's not the best time for her. And what this episode really does fracture out for them is that they're, they've are they grown really far apart. And they have a really tough, tough conversation about the iciness between them. And he essentially says, and he's really given up on her. But, you know, his name of the duty and the crown is mm-hmm. to have a life of loneliness and disenchantment which is totally false because he was a nefarious playboy um, yeah. and his companionship with Penny of which she is aghast and he asks her to even become her friend. But what ultimately this but he conversation. Doesn't...
1: Wait, yeah, continue.
0: Well, what ultimately the conversation leads to in many ways is what we see at the beginning of the episode is that he's like the Romanov's death was Britain's fault.
1: There's blood. There's blood on. There's blood
0: in these waters.
1: Yeah, there's blood on the waters and there's blood on on your grandparents' hands that killed my ancestors.
0: My ancestors.
1: Um, and And it's
0: a different level of like, oh, your imperial family took over my imperial family because they're all victims of the same imperialism. Not really victims, perpetrators. Right. But it's this level of like capitalism doesn't defeat capitalism imperialism doesn't defeat imperialism it just makes a drama apparently for 1999 the the crown on netflix
1: right and um it's important to note that this is also one of those where i think they're they're playing very safe in that they do present the relationship between penny and and prince philip as very platonic that it is just it is a platonic companionship. It is, um, but then I kept thinking, I was like, yeah, but like that's an intellectual and an emotional affair. Like that's still an affair that you're having, Philip. Like, and that was ultimately like Queen Elizabeth's point is like, you're hurting me. You're not hurting the crown. You're hurting me as a person. But he's still like, well, I haven't done anything wrong. So you need to befriend her and you need to go out in public with her. So that the because they're so hounding of charles and of andrew and of the salaciousness that is our family you need to fix this so that it doesn't break our public persona and of and who you are as the queen and it is important to note that interesting enough also here's another historical tidbit is that penny's husband norton leaves her for a younger woman and they go off and live in uh, another country for years and she maintains um the the title she maintains all of the proceedings all of the duties all of the house all of the stuff in his name for all of those years and she does gain the respect of the royal family because of that and when he comes back and he begs on his two feet to get brought back into the family the family basically tells him like Will bring you back, but we're never going to forget, and we're never going to forgive you. And he's yeah. ultimately like not given back into the circle, but Penny is. Penny is maintained into that circle, yeah, one hundred percent. And they respect her, and and so I think that's also a caveat for the Queen in her um accepting of Penny is that she sees that Penny ultimately will choose family and duty and what. Queen Elizabeth thinks of as the right thing and knows that that's the course forward, but ultimately is also shattered with the fact that she realizes that her husband isn't her soulmate in all ways, shapes, and forms like she thought they were.
0: And this is ultimately where when her and Penny go on their long walk, she kind of realizes that Penny is as much a victim of many things as Elizabeth is, but that sense of duty, that sense of pragmatism of... The role that she must play is something that appeals to Elizabeth all too well.
1: Right. And Penny's trying to tell her that she thinks that the reason Queen Mary advises her husband to not send this ship is because Mary and Alexandra um, had a rivalry, and Alexandria was prettier than Mary, and Mary didn't want her in England to compete with that. And Queen Elizabeth shuts her down and says, actually, it was because of her pro-German stance and the people would not have stood for that is yeah. why the ultimate decision was to not send them the boat. But I think it leaves the audience with the, you make the decision on what reality you want to believe in if, or if the, it's a combination of all of those, that it is Mary being filtered with that there was this rivalry, but also this pro-German stance that ultimately leads her to say, don't send the boat. And then kills helps to create a situation where the Romanovs are, are brutally murdered by the Bolsheviks. But what we see,
0: you know, how to save a marriage, you know, by making sure your cousins aren't crazy murderous people that will sell you out to the communists.
1: Right. And realizing that she has, she does have to do something as the reigning monarch of, um, Grinning and, and bearing it. And so she invites um Penny to drive in her car to Sandringham for the Christmas service. And what happens before we see the Christmas, um, and then you see them at Christmas, and she's there alongside the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh's there, and Diana's there with Harry and is walking with Harry, and then behind them is William and Charles. And all of that like that's another case where it's so if you know the history and the uh, you know the pictures of this time period what Diana's wearing is spot on to what she was wearing at that year of christmas yep and then we see um queen elizabeth meet with the prime minister and there he tells her that they have finally confirmed the last remains and it it was tsar nicholas and that they will all be given an official burial and um they have a conversation it's you know it's 19 we're entering into 1995 and talking about the potential of continuously how elizabeth sees russia and england having a long time marriage and that you know we need to preserve that contrary to what we all know what will happen is that democracy doesn't last very long in in russia um but for the most part she talks about how you know, Queen Mary had to live with a form of acceptance and duty for the the crown, and it silence becomes part of the DNA that is how she comes to be and what she sees the role of the monarch. And um, the last scene of the episode is Queen Elizabeth playing with her corgis and the Duke of Edinburgh seeing and going to the desk.
0: End scene. End scene that wow. they've
1: resigned themselves to that they're in different spheres but they're still connected um and that
0: love will conquer all no <laughs> <laughs>
1: um but That's that the, but not love but the crown will conquer the duty all. yeah duty duty will always conquer but it it's it just feels this episode feels so removed from storytelling um of what you know what we've known to be the crown and highlighting these salacious, these rambunctious um
0: drama. This versus what it should be giving us, exactly. but maybe, but maybe they were all like, whoa, like we can't handle that scandal. Here's how the <laughs> British monarchy murdered the Russian monarchy.
1: Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like, they don't want to talk about how, you know, princess Diana was being hounded by the, the press to the point where, she would wear the same outfit every day so that cameramen could not sell these photos. Um, she she couldn't take her children to school because she was being hounded, and you know her lines are being tapped. And um, but she's continuously doing. And this is you know they could have done so many things. Of this is the time period where she's going to Africa and she's walking those landmine fields and she's doing more things with. Um, the AIDS crisis, and she's, you know, she's doing the work. And um, also Anne's doing the work, and Philip's doing the work, and there's a lot of upheaval that's happening in the 90s. Um, You're still having a a vicious um, fighting in Northern Ireland between the Catholics and the Protestants. And so there's a lot of things, you know, that they could have focused on, but no, we get
0: the Romanovs. No, we get the death of the Romanovs. Without even a musical interlude.
1: Without even Once Upon a December. Like, come on.
0: Come on. But alas, here we are. We've got more episodes coming your way. We'll see you soon, AJ. We'll hear you soon.
1: 100%. All
0: right, listeners, we'll see you at the next episode. Talk soon.
1: Happy indictment day.